1: what's so special about hero breads soft fluffy and delicious breads buns and tortillas these ultra low net carb baked goods contain zero sugar fewer calories and more protein than the
0: leading brands and are high in fiber to support gut health shop now at hero.co
1: the streak has ended and nobody cares. oh oh i'm sorry one meaningless franchise cares all that and more this is pod like a raven Yeah, not the normal voice you hear to start every episode, um, so if you've turned it off by now, I apologize. I am Tim Horsey here, uh, two-man booth today, uh, and obviously if you, if you know the normal host of this show, you know Antonio is still gallivanting around the West Coast, so he is not able to join us, but who is joining me today, another man on the East Coast, and I'm so happy about it. Every time I remember that, that he is here, just... A mere drive away, I get excited. It is my man, Jace Evans. Jace, how are you?
0: I'm doing good, Tim. Um, yeah, Miss Antonio, especially, that we'll, uh, we'll cover something later in the show. I feel like we've been joking with him about for for what feels like half a decade now. Uh, so it would have been nice to chop it up with him. Um, but still great to talk to you. Uh, kind of a weird lot to talk about, I think, from one preseason game. Just a lot of weird happenings, a weird game in general. Um, not really upset the streak's over, kind of happy the streak's over, frankly, because it was weird and I was tired of it becoming a national talking point every preseason game. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I'm ready to kind of dive into it. It was definitely it was definitely a strange night watching football.
1: <laughs> yeah, when you have um, less than mediocre kickers giving you the L after a <laughs> preseason game, a game that doesn't matter, I'm kind of just like, okay, you know, we're going to go win real things while you uh, hang out. You know, or, or, Don't worry, you're owned by the Messiah, a.k.a. a guy who doesn't know how to do a handshake with Joe Buck. But we're going to get into all of this here on Pod a Raven. Uh, I am Tim Horsey here with Jace Evans, and let's start with the game from Monday night. Monday night football was back, Joe Buck in rare form. Uh, I'm sure we'll talk about that a little bit here. The Washington Commanders 29, the Baltimore Ravens 28, and the only time in the history of this podcast where I won't be pissed off losing by a point to a local rival. Jace... I'm just going to open it up to you here. You know, it's a preseason game. We're not going through drives. We're not going to do good, bad, and ugly. We're not going to really break down the, the minutia of the game. And how can you when it's, you know, Josh Johnson and Anthony Brown throwing the football. But just <laughs> generally for you, who comes out in a Ravens uniform, I should say, who comes out looking uh, positive after this loss?
0: Uh, I, I thought there there was a handful of, of guys. um you know, we made our list of winners and losers. And one you jotted down, I want to just dive right into because it, it was kind of the first thing that happened. Zay Flowers. I thought he popped immediately. Uh, we exchanged texts. We were very excited, I think. Uh, you know, he only has the two catches, but one goes into the end zone. Um, you know, a lot of yak, which was exciting. This was kind of a, a, a crazy stat I saw. Uh, so on that touchdown, Flowers... 21 yards after the catch, according to NFL's Next Gen Stats, and this is via Jeff Zarebic. And then all of last season, which I believe includes the playoffs, the Ravens had just seven plays uh, where a player went more than 21 yards after catch. So, um, yeah, I'm excited about the potential he seems to bring with the ability to kind of make, you know, big plays. Like you said, it's a preseason game. You know, I think... If I have qualms, I will get into some individual players, I guess. But, like, kind of what we talked about, like, last week. Like, all the tackling issues and just kind of Mm -hmm. blown coverages from, (laughs) from guys. And that kind of goes both ways on both teams to some degree. But, uh... Uh yeah still. I mean, you know, Zay Flowers he gets in, plays one series, scores a touchdown, and then they bench him, which I think was what our favorite part of the night.
1: Yeah, so let's let's stick on Zay for a little bit. I think he could be a loser in this game only because now the expectations are going to be ridiculous from <laughs> idiot fans like you and me. Um I I was so impressed with just the shiftiness. You know, like everybody you know, the lazy comparison, I think, and, and not everybody's doing this, but the Ravens draft another first-round first round wide receiver, excuse me, and they draft a guy who was typically undersized, right? So everybody goes, well, Marquise Brown. Already the difference between Zay Flowers and Marquise Brown is evident to me. And I think just the – you know, I was listening to the athletic football show today with, with Mays and Tice, who are two very smart football <laughs> nerds, and I, I think they would take that as the highest compliment of – Zay is different from that because of the the change of direction, the explosiveness, and the strength for for a little guy like that. Um, a little guy, much more jacked than I am, but you <laughs> you know what I mean from a football from a football sense, um, and just the way he is going to be able to be used in this offense. You know, I think we none of us really know what this offense is going to look like. Todd Munkin has has done everything from you know heavily feature a tight end at Georgia with Brock Bowers to Jameis Winston in Tampa Bay, just throw it all over the yard. He, he is a kind of an amoeba that way where he can change his offensive style as needed. But I think the exciting thing about this offense, if everybody's healthy, which is the massive caveat, is that you have guys like Odell Beckham Jr. You have guys like Rashad Bateman. Uh, you have guys like Mark Andrews. We have some of the other tight ends, which I'm sure we'll talk about uh, a little bit later in the show as well. And then this, as Lamar Jackson said, joystick of a player in zay flowers i think there is you know i'm not going to say unlimited potential or anything but that those few moments there those two catches uh for 37 yards and a tud got me really really (laughs) excited for what another aspect of of offense that he could bring for this ravens team oh yeah absolutely and
0: and i 100 percent agree with you on your uh just sort of the the talking about Hollywood Brown. it, it is different. There's the same exact different. H- like height, but it just seems like there's like a shiftiness. I mean, and maybe this is, is part of the Monkin thing. Like we complained about Greg Roman, I think not getting him the ball in ways we kinda saw have seen So far, Zay Flowers get the ball. But I'm with you. I'm excited to see, like, what he can do and what the offense can do. Like, because, you know, I think Joe Buck even mentioned it. You're like, this is, like, not what the, like, Ravens will look like. Because, like, no one, basically, who's a lockdown starter has played on the offensive line. Our three best receiving options haven't played. Uh, But, yeah, I mean, for a rookie to show what he's shown, um, I I think you kind of have to be impressed (laughs) with him to this point.
1: Yeah, I would 100% agree. I, I'll throw it right back to you, Jace. Anybody else that impressed you uh, on this Ravens team that we can dive into? <laughs> so
0: another guy who scored touchdowns, uh, this is just sort of a quick one, but uh, uh what's his first name? Travis, I didn't even know. Uh, <laughs> but uh, three catches, 28 yards, two touchdown night. I am becoming convinced that this guy is going to somehow make the team. I think – uh, all this talk about the Ravens having this revamped wide receiver room, and I feel like John Harbaugh and Eric DaCosta are going to prank everyone and take four tight ends and a fullback <laughs> into the regular season because he's just been really impressive. And I think, I mean, you know, I think he's, you know, you just drafted Charlie Kohler last year, but I'd say Vocalex, uh, you know, popped, it feels like mm-hmm. more. And I certainly, and that second touchdown, too, kind of in that tight window. Um, it wasn't like Great the uh, road, but yeah, yeah. It just like, uh, you know, I guess the, the ball still got where it needed to be and he just hauls it in two feet down. It was, it was really pretty. So yeah, I, I you know, I I'm intrigued by him. I'm sure he's going to, if he doesn't make the team end up on the practice squad, but I, you know, I thought it was an impressive night for him and for someone trying to make the team, you know, two touchdowns and especially of the nice variety. That's kind of what you want to see.
1: Yeah. For the amount of, Ravens receivers that have not panned out. (laughs) They've always got a freaking tight end. They've always got a tight end from from Todd Heap to Dennis Pitta to now Mark Andrews, obviously, and then Isaiah Likely, Charlie Kohler, and now Travis Vokalek, as you mentioned uh, as well. You know, you mentioned Vokalek getting the two touchdowns, three catches, 28 yards. Kohler had two receptions for 61 yards, his longest (laughs) being a 33 yard reception. Um, So both around that 30 yard mark for him, uh, just under for the first catch. But I could see it because again, I think that, you know, this offense as a whole, as I mentioned, I don't think it's just going to be empty, you know, five wide, let Lamar just kind of play sandlot ball type, type of game. I think there's going to be different aspects of this offense where, you know, Todd Munkin is, is new, right. But a lot of the staff behind him is in the offensive uh, sense is not new. There a lot of those same philosophies in the run game and, and, being a power team, I think, are still going to exist. Now, it's not going to be, you know, as again I, I reference Nate Tice all the time for the Athletic. It's not going to be like the high school passing schemes that he would joke about with Greg Roman. I think there's going to be some some vast improvements, and you know, in the X's and O's and the Jimmys and Joes. But <laughs> I I don't think it's going to be as different as a lot of people want it to be. And I think the tight ends could feature there too. And I think the other thing too. Vokalek is not a guy that's going to make an impact on this Ravens team this year it's not going to happen and you know god bless him if he doesn't stay with the Ravens maybe makes an impact somewhere else uh god willing the NFC but (laughs) I think it kind of showed you some of the stuff that they're looking at Uh, that 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 seam route pass that is a Lamar Jackson to Mark Andrews touchdown nine out of ten times if they can get that right that over the middle Lamar loves operating over the middle and what and what have they built they've built a lot of guys tight ends obviously and then odell beckham jr and rashad bateman love working inside getting into the slant right they they, they love a Zay flowers who can kind of operate all over the place it's a little bit of a deep threat as well they're they're fitting strengths to lamar jackson i think but it's not just necessarily going to be a complete change in philosophy here and i think Vokalek, you know not really the player but the the scheme behind wh- why he was successful last night, I think is something that could really, really benefit this Ravens team. Um, I'm just going to go, let's, let's throw some flowers, not Zay, uh, to Tylan Wallace as well. A guy who I think is fighting for that fifth receiver spot. I mean, if you look at just the our lads depth chart here, you've got Odell Beckham Jr., Rashad Bateman, Zay Flowers, Devin DuVarnay are kind of locked in as your four, right? After that, you brought in Nelson Aguilar, you brought brought in Laquan Treadwell as well, and then it's Tylen Wallace, it's Shamir Bridges, it's Tyreek Black, a Dante Demas Jr., what have you, and then, you know, we'll just get this out of the way now. I think he's, unfortunately for him, for a guy that has made so little impact, has kind of become hated by the Ravens franchise, a James Prochet, another inexcusable drop that went right through his hands that led to an interception after the muff punt last week um i think i think james prochet's days are numbered but tylen wallace again showing up and kind of along with his special teams play which is obviously important for this ravens franchise i think is trying to make a case to be the fifth receiver because you know i you mentioned the tight ends and the fullback jace i don't think they're keeping more than five receivers i think that that's gonna be kind of it and it's for me, and I don't know what you think after the performances here. For me, it's Tylen Wallace, Nelson Aguilar, Laquan Treadwell. Excuse me, kind of fighting for that final spot.
0: Yeah, I, I guess I get, So you wonder. I guess I wonder if they go six because it seems like like they haven't been like Aguilar's not hurt, right? Like he's just like not playing. But I've heard like almost nothing about him like all yeah. preseason, <laughs> which you know I don't. That's not a. Doesn't seem like a great sign. It's not like you see tweets being like, Nelson Aguilar popped in practice. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I, I think Wallace has gone a long way. It's two pretty nice touchdowns two weeks in a row. And obviously, like you said, with his special teams ability, I think certainly he's eclipsed a guy like Prochet. And you mentioned, yeah, not to belabor that point. He's obviously a loser of the game um, once again. And you he didn't field a punt that ended up bouncing towards the end zone as well uh this game it just as you said it seems like his days are numbered so certainly Wallace is ahead of him i think and uh yeah i think he he's making a great case to stay on he acknowledged he knows it's an important season for him his third year cuz he has not done much uh in the NFL to this point as a receiver so um it's it's still it's nice to see him you know kind of taking an initiative and, and stating his case in preseason games these are the player like He's the guy, kind of guy who gets reps uh, the last few preseasons for the Ravens, and he's making a case for it uh, yeah. this year. Yeah,
1: I would agree. Uh, just looking quickly, it looks like Zare- uh, Jeff Zarebeck of The Athletic reported that Aguilar was rested on Monday night um, in that mm. game. So I don't know if that's a injury thing or if it's a we kind of know what we have with him, we're going to keep him on board, what have you, but, you know. If they keep six, I think Tylen Wallace is making a really good case for that six. Maybe even the fifth if they keep five. And and who knows? You might be right on, on the six here. Let's let's move quickly just to the running backs here before we kind of get into some other winners. Um, and I don't know if you have anything to say. I thought again, Keaton Mitchell popped. Um, you know, I think that big run that he had, uh, the, the one the one carry he had for 31 yards <laughs> was the, an explosiveness that you're not going to see from a Melvin Gordon, Melvin Gordon finishing with eight carries for uh 34 yards, 4.3 yards per rush, which is, you know, nothing to shake a stick at there, but they're only, you know, at most four, right. They're four running backs and probably four with the uncertainty and the injuries and kind of coming back from injury with Gus Edwards with, um, and with JK Dobbins and the hold in and all that BS that we've talked about so many times here on pod, like a Raven, but, how are you feeling about the running back battle after these two preseason games? You know, Justice Hill, again, um, only had two rushes for 25 yards, but they love him on special teams, and he looked pretty dynamic as a as, uh, running back as well in his limited time here uh, on Monday night. But what, what do you make of the whole running back room as a whole after these two games?
0: Yeah, I've been impressed with Justice Hill, uh, to be sure. In terms of the Mitchell versus Gordon thing, I'm with you on Mitchell. I just think he seems to have so much more upside than Gordon. And, like, you mentioned that run. I was legitimately surprised he got his best. Med- because, like, I did not think he'd be able to hit the edge. And But he just has, like, that extra gear. And he was able to hit the edge and get by guys and just go flying down the sidelines. Um, it's good to know his injury doesn't seem too serious, whatever he he, he banged up. But, um, yeah, I mean, we, we were text about it. You know, Melvin Gordon, he gets dropped by Bryn Forbes on that one, I think it was a third down run. Uh, you know, uh, Ravens did not block that well. I didn't seem like, mm-hmm. but you still kind of would love your running back to be able to either shake or break a tackle from a man that is listed as six foot, one hundred and seventy three pounds, quite literally a string bean a rookie, <laughs> uh, and uh, he got dropped, and you're like, well, that's that's not what you want to see from your, your big bruiser veteran. Um, so yeah, I'd rather go with the upside of Mitchell. Uh, kind kind of some of those runs to the outside kind of reminded me of some of like the speed we saw from JK his rookie year when that was like such a welcome thing. You're like, Oh, we didn't have this element before. And now, you know, (laughs) JK coming off all his injuries. I don't know if he still has that speed. So it's like, if you want upside, I think Mitchell might have like some of the you know, biggest speed on the team in terms of that. So I'd, I'd prefer he he makes the team. Obviously, him being Anthony Mitchell's son's a cool kind of secondary thing, but right. uh, um, yeah, I just think for upside, I, I'd certainly rather go him than Melvin Gordon. Like we know the deal with Melvin Gordon. We talked when they signed him about his, fub- his fumbling problems and all that. So um, yeah, I'd rather I'd rather just uh, roll the dice with Keaton Mitchell. I think
1: the ravens do love their veterans though yeah Uh, you know you think you think this is another Kenyon drake situation with melvin gordon um here's
0: tyson williams remember him he got benched after (laughs) yeah tyson
1: williams absolutely uh you know they give keaton mitchell some some special teams duty as well kick returning as well so i think another factor uh, that you know this guy could do this as well you know devin duvernay obviously the guy there but you know, if you can have somebody that can play multiple roles and you know save a roster spot for a lineman or something like that, the Ravens are certainly known <laughs> for doing that. Um, you know, we've talked about uh, vocal; we've talked about the offense a lot. Let's turn to the defensive side of the ball here. Um, any winners for you, Jace? That kind of stood out.
0: Uh, so I, I just thought our Darius Washington seemed very prominently involved all throughout the night. You know, he he uh, some good, some bad. You know, he he was uh, completely decked on that. First Washington touchdown, which kind of started that mini brawl in their mini shoving match in the end zone. That was kind of the first time I noticed him. But, you know, he had a nice, really nice pass breakup late when he kind of knocked the wind out of himself. But, uh, you know, it prevented a, a long completion and, and it just seemed like he was around the play all night. And, uh, you know, for a, um, a secondary that doesn't have a lot of bodies, he has real opportunity here with all the injuries they have. And I thought he kind of acquitted himself pretty well. He played nearly the entire game. uh, And and, um, I thought he had some nice moments. So it was kind of good to see him. And then the other just sort of defensive back, uh, Caillou Kelly. He dropped the blue. Is that? I uh, don't know why. I I know. Already
1: a Podluck Raven fan favorite. uh, (laughs) You know, it looks like. Hopefully it's not short lived.
0: But uh, these missions <laughs> there. Yeah, but he uh, he did have that uh, Kelly did have a nice that stick on the two point stop uh, in the fourth quarter. Real nice tackle. That was nice to see. But I'd say uh, of all the DBs, certainly Washington I think stood out stood out the most and seemed to have a pretty good night. And yeah, as I said, for a team that is desperate for bodies, <laughs> that was kind of a good sign.
1: So you know Ty tie, or tied for first uh, with seven tackles on the team last night. Um and he actually Jeff Reback reported that he actually had to come back in because Tay Hayes and Kaiu Kelly were out with what looked like cramps. So Darius Washington had to come back in and play. Obviously no Marlon Humphrey, who we'll talk about in a second, no Rocky Sin, no Arthur Mallet, Jalen Armor Davis, Pepe Williams, and Ronald Darby, uh the newly signed cornerback. None of those guys were in uniform. So uh Darius Washington had to kinda of come back in and and play another role and I think you know, played well. He's also in camp. He is reportedly playing as, like, a starting slot corner because of all the injuries the secondary has had. And, look, we we kind of – one of us, and when I say one of us, I mean one of you or I, because Antonio was way too optimistic, point out a Achilles heel of the team every single year, at the beginning of the year, every single year. A couple years ago was the offensive line. You know, I think, obviously – the contract albatross, which was last year, they kind of marred last year uh, in total. This year it's I've, unquestionably it's the secondary, uh, which we'll get into a little bit in more detail a little bit later in the show. And you know, our Darius Washington is not a name, but if it's a, if it's a guy that can kind of step up and be serviceable and be a solid presence amongst all the other uncertainty uh, in this team, I think it's something that could be really beneficial for the team moving forward all right let's let's move on to some winner let's do some winners still but i want to do some i I don't know intangibles winners (laughs) not on the field winners or just you know maybe not offense defense and i'm i'll start here joe buck was having a great time shout out joe buck we'll get to josh harris in a minute and i don't know how (laughs) he survived that he was he was either dealing with Cheech or Chong or both during that entire interview, uh, and I, I'm not really sure what was happening there. But <laughs> Joe Buck the entire time, just first game back Monday Night Football, and knew it was a preseason game and treated it with the level of respect it deserved. You know, it wasn't unprofessional, but kind of just doing like crazy calls or like making sure you knew who these people were in a in a funny way, lighthearted. It was very, it was a very light broadcast for football, which, you know, the reason we do this podcast is we take it way too seriously, and I thought Joe Buck had some fun on Monday night. Yeah, this was, like, one of the
0: you know, I wasn't, like, 100% locked into the commentary the entire time, but, like, everything I picked up he, yeah, he just had, like, some funny zingers and some funny, like, outros or into graphics. He was, as you said, he was having a great time, and Aikman was having fun, too I mean, Aikman made some crack about, like we gotta play three more of these after the first quarter was done, like, they were were ready to, you know, hang out with Scott Van Pelt or whatever they were planning to do that night. Uh, they, were, they were just having a good time. And yeah, for a preseason game where, you you know, and we'll kind of I sort of transition to this little, I guess, but uh, where the winner doesn't really matter. Uh, I, it was really fun. I thought they really added to the broadcast. And I, I don't know that I've, I've made a, um, you know, like a, a change of my opinion more than on any broadcaster that I have Joe Buck. I used to hate Joe Buck. In my younger years, I thought he was like too staid and just sort of boring, but I think he has gotten better and more exciting and sort of his own kind of guy and stuff. And uh, yeah, I mean, he's just he puts on a great call. He almost never gets anything wrong, uh, which I think is the number one key for a great play by play man just to correctly identify everyone and what's happening. Uh, and yeah, it was, it was a, just a great broadcast. So I, I'm glad it's great that him and Aikman, I think are the Monday night team. Cause they're just so good together and, uh, have been doing it. I mean, they've been calling games together for like 20 years now. So, uh, it's just, it was really fun. It was a fun broadcast and yeah, for, for what turned out to actually be a, a, a good slash compelling kind of end to this game. Uh, I thought they really, uh, sort of enhanced it. And you know why they were having fun,
1: Jace? is because this game didn't matter <laughs> this game did not matter and and before we do this because might be getting a, a touch negative here i can speak for <laughs> myself i do want to say that sometimes the ravens and even their social media team have do like the i think even after the eagles game they did like the it matters to us uh when they posted the win graphic it doesn't matter the Ravens streak is over This preseason streak is over. And you know what? I am glad as a fan that tunes in for every single preseason game um, for some reason, (laughs) doesn't have to hear about this anymore. You know who really cared about this? It was the Washington Commanders. Terry McLaurin saying, oh, we saw on SportsCenter was this this streak. You're clearly not watching, you know, 98% of the broadcast. The lineman who I don't even care to look up his name who said like, it was, it was
0: Sam Cosby. He was the same guy who did the gritty in the end zone after
1: they scored a, in the first half. He did a gritty in the end zone after saying that the streak was stupid. We agree. The whole thing is stupid. It is a preseason game that does not matter, and the fact that the Ravens keep winning these is, one, dumb luck, and two, kind of shows that they have a little bit of depth. You had Sam Howe and the entire... By the way, the amount of media that Sam Howe is getting on Monday after, like look at who, look at Sam Howell just tear up this preseason game against generously three starters on the defense, maybe, (laughs) like maybe, maybe, that's uh, probably two, maybe even one uh, starters on the defensive front. Sam Howell just slinging it to Terry McLaurin and Jahan Dotson, two of the better receivers in the National Football League for an entire half, an entire half, and they win the game by one point and all of a sudden it's we hated this streak. It was stupid. It doesn't matter. And now Joey Sly is given the L to the Ravens sideline after kicking the game-winning field goal. I, for one, am so happy that it's over and that we don't have to talk about it anymore. And it doesn't have to be the, the the number one bullet point. Or you know, Antonio is actually a good host, so it'd be like topic B or C or D or E or Z down down. in when we recap a preseason game, oh yeah, they won again. Who really cares? Let's talk about the things that matter. But the fact that the Commanders took this whole thing of, like, we're out here to beat the Ravens, shows me, So I guess something that I already knew, that, <laughs> yeah, it's a miserable franchise, one, and, and I know, I know, I'm really sorry, there's a lot of Commanders fans that listen to this podcast for some reason, I apologize, and I love you all to pieces, I really do. And I don't even blame the fans, because I think most reasonable fans, the ones that aren't jealous of Baltimore's success over the years, because <laughs> there are plenty of you out there, the, the the reasonable fan, and is saying this doesn't matter either. But the fact that the players and the team took it so seriously shows me that you haven't won anything serious in a very very long time. And th- if this is what you're celebrating, I'll see you in December. Like I'll just say <laughs> that because I just I cannot believe the six and eleven. Sam Howell led Ron Rivera on just the hottest of seats with Eric Bienem looking right behind him to take that <laughs> coaching job. Are celebrating a win in late August, Jace? I, I, I'm, I'm going on and I'm rambling here. What did you make of the whole well, streak ending and then the Commanders celebrating this non-serious victory?
0: The celebration was ludicrous and actually kind of made me just slightly mad that the streak ended <laughs> this week because, like, I you know clearly, yeah, this mattered to them, which is embarrassing. I mean, you nailed it. Like, I was I was just cackling like. Thinking to myself, I was like, I am going to be thinking about Joey Sly handing an L in a preseason, like in December after, you know, Washington is six and eleven. Like, this is not a good football team. They're clearly the worst team in their division. They're <laughs> one of the probably the worst, you know, six teams of the league. I think Daniel Snyder selling the team, which is great. I think it's good for them. I'm happy for my friends and family who root for this team. It's great. I think absolutely that that is remarkable and it's great for the and it's great for the league too like this team's gonna you know they put this market on tv all the time it's good if they're better but uh I I think it's clouded a lot of people to how sort of bleak the immediate future of this team is they're rolling into the season with Sam Howell (laughs) this team is not winning anything this team is not going to the playoffs uh and and to, to your point about like you know, the the way the commander celebrated this, that's like, I was thinking, I was like, I found the streak amusing. I thought it was funny. I, you know, once we hit over 20 wins in a row, I thought it was starting to get ridiculous. And honestly, ludicrous. I would have been completely fine. If they lost to the Eagles last week, no, like, it would have been fine because you know what the Eagles don't care about? Breaking the streak. You know why? Because the Eagles played for the Super Bowl last year, almost won it. Should have probably won it, some people would say. But, you know, things happen. Patrick Mahomes exists. They finish runner-up. The Eagles are going to be competing for a Super Bowl again. <laughs> Washington is not going to be do that. And uh, like you said, you know why we know they're not going to be competing? Because they just have the absolute wrong mindset. This is a real thing Johan Dotson said after the game on Monday. So I feel like we just had the biggest preseason W in history think about that statement the biggest preseason win in history (laughs) it's like congratulations man you 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 beat josh johnson and anthony brown (laughs) you did it like yeah like if we're thinking about this in a real game you know what doesn't happen uh the ravens probably just run out the clock up by eight if lamar jackson's playing (laughs) That's probably how it goes if it was a real game. If any of our starters played, like you said, like we we talked about our Darius Washington a lot because he's a guy who might play with the starters come the regular season, and he played a lot of the game. And that that was like it. Like him and like Travis Jones was out there a decent bit. I don't even know if he was there after halftime. There were a, it's truly they were playing guys when they score on their last two drives. I've never heard of. And then yeah, to just to just care this much about it was ridiculous and then Cosby didn't even talk to reporters afterwards he talked all this crap before the game and then had nothing to say afterwards and then wouldn't speak to
1: reporters after a preseason game what is this so I'm curious and I don't want to go too far on this because this is this is a Ravens podcast and not a commanders podcast thank god because you know I don't know how I would deal myself deal with myself if I had to watch that team every Sunday but (laughs) are commanders fans embarrassed by this like i would be thoroughly embarrassed by and and i'm sure in the moment like as a fan you'd get swept up and i would be like ah the l's funny whatever but (laughs) for a franchise that again has been run into the ground by dan snyder uh you know on the pantheon mount rushmore of worst sports owners in history um and and you know If I go Robert Ursay and Peter Angelos, maybe I'm a little bit regionally biased, but here we are uh, to put to put in there. We just need one one more head in North Dakota there. But um, I. The fact that this team that has so much history and, you know, a legacy franchise has gotten to the point where they feel like the little brother to Baltimore, who is the consummate little brother to every other city on the East Coast is embarrassing. Embarrassing for them and and the things you point out this is the biggest preseason win in history and then the guy who thinks he's talking all of the trash won't talk to reporters after a preseason game because he might have had a moment of clarity where he's like <laughs> i'm i look like a huge ass right now like it just the whole thing again yeah i'm happy the streak is over and jace i completely agree with you i'm just more upset In general, I'm not upset that the Commanders beat us. I don't care. I don't care. And, like, a lot of Commanders fans probably don't care either because they're rational people. I'm just annoyed at how the whole thing played out. And, like, yeah, I would almost rather the Steelers, and I know they won't play in preseason, but I would almost rather it be the Steelers (laughs) are the ones that beat us. I should say another win or two, you know, outside of some slight knocks and what have you, it looks like everybody came out relatively healthy from that hellscape of a field. When I saw in pregame, you know, Odell Beckham Jr., Rashad Bateman, Lamar Jackson all warming up in pads, my heart dropped uh, all the way through me. I'll just say that, you know, as a family show here. Um, and then obviously they didn't play, which was nice. I, I had the audio off kind of like you in the pregame show. So I was like, wait a minute. What, what? No, 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 no. What are we doing here? Wrong field. Don't do this. And, and luckily they, they didn't. So everybody being relatively relatively healthy there. Let's move, let's move on quickly because I know we've kind of done – a lot of, um, you know, winners and losers in this talk. But any any losers for you uh, here generally uh, from this game before we move on to some other news?
0: Um, not too much. I mean, we, we mentioned James Prochet, but it just kind of – it's almost hit a point where it's just sad. And I don't feel like sort of bringing him up. Uh, you know, Daniel Falele had a, a bad – a false. No, I mean it was a very minor false start, but it ended up directly on you know, a play. They ended up not going for two. Sort of, <laughs> possibly led to them losing the game instead of tying. But nothing. I'm like, I feel like the negatives didn't jump out to me um, quite as much. Uh, the only, the only other thing I, I wanted to say. I don't know if you saw Tucker's comments about the Commanders, but I kind of enjoyed them. He said, "Hit me, hit me." I don't care about their team. I care about ours. I will leave it at that.
1: (laughs) God bless the best kicker in the National Football Uh, League. And maybe maybe history. Um, Maybe taking out Adam Vinatieri. Fantastic there.
0: I did uh, did find Harbaugh's comments. I was kind of interested in what he had to say after this. Because, you know, obviously he's overseen this entire winning streak. And I actually felt like what he kind of said about everything was sort of poignant in some ways. He was like, you know, he was like, if you watch what just happened, was this meaningless? And... As we just kind of said, clearly it wasn't to the Commanders. Uh, And, uh, yeah, so I kind of of found his comments interesting. But, yeah, just happy no one uh, got hurt. Gus didn't play, which I know we were concerned about after he played last week. We were kind of shocked by. So, um, yeah, I'm not sure what they'll do uh, next week, next uh, Saturday night against Tampa. I assume not much, since probably even less starters than this week, since it's a tight turnaround and stuff, and feel like you've seen mostly what you need to see. But yeah, it was, I'm not sad the streak is over. I'm just kind of annoyed at how it went down, but you know, Hey, what they still have the, I mean, this will truly never be a streak that's broken. I don't think they extended it. They broke, I think they broke the record like two or like two years ago. Right. They've just added like preseason wins on top of that. And that's like the other thing with the streak. They're like, we ended their streak. It's like, we already had the record. Like, it's like this yeah, it is still matter. we're just extending their own records. And, and again,
1: let us emphasize, a record that doesn't matter. No, it's but funny. A record A record as unbreakable as Cal Ripkin's uh, Iron Man streak, I guess, uh, the, the 24 wins in the preseason. Good luck to Sam Howe. And, and for all, I should say, after, you know foaming at the mouth about how annoyed it made me. I I hope the best for you, Commanders fans. Now, if you turn into ignorant a-holes like that, maybe not, and maybe it'll get a little more bloodbathy, but for now, like Justin Tucker said, I don't care about you. So good wish, you know, good on you. I will just say: you've seen it if you watch the game, and if you don't live under a rock. Josh Harris with an all time bad look. <laughs> if if you remember the college football halftime interview or or, you know, booth interview I should say, with Eminem. The the eyes open like I have done all the cocaine uh, I have never been on TV thing. before. <laughs> I have never been on TV before thing from Eminem. It was worse than that. Um Josh Harris completely disheveled. The hair was everywhere too. And there wasn't a lot of it. He looked like he had he might have been hanging out with old Jerry Jones, the rival owner, doing, doing something. We'll, you know, we'll leave it at that. Or Cheech or Chong. I don't, I don't know. I don't know what was happening with Josh Harris. But my God, he came in and just talked over Joe Buck the entire time. It was kind of like trying to touch them awkwardly. Gave an all-time bad dead fish handshake to Joe Buck. All-time awkward handshake to Joe Buck. And um, had no good answers and stayed on way too long stayed on for like a commander's drive apparently he was late getting there you know under the influence sometimes uh timing isn't your best feature i should say but was there for like three drives and just kind of <laughs> every time joe buck would try and throw to a break he would like cut in with a comment that was just kind of like and you would just hear that in the microphone." Um all-time awkward moment, all-time internet moment I guess, but
0: the handshake
1: oh, is so funny. The handshake <laughs> is really bad. So I I missed it. I was watching with my girlfriend and I missed it and she she, she was like, "Did you just see that?" I was like, "What?" And we had we actually rewound. I don't, I don't usually do this for live sporting events. We rewound the tape to check it out and I was like, "Oh my <laughs> god." And I immediately messaged Jace like, "You have it's just look. That guy could that guy could Literally murder children in front of a television camera. And I think the, the commander's fans would be fine with it because he's not Dan Snyder at this point, but just not a, not a great look for Josh Harris. To start things off. Um, I don't know anything else, Jace, from this game before we move on to some other news.
0: No, I don't think it was certainly one of the more eventful preseason games. I feel like I've watched between it being like the Harris stuff, it just being on Monday Night Football with, you know, Buck and Aikman for a preseason game. I can't remember the last time that happened. It was it was definitely a night and I, I enjoyed it thoroughly. It was I had the night off and I was just watching all this unfold. Wish they would have won. Don't really care that they lost. <laughs> uh, we, we move on, and I think the best news is uh, we no one cares anymore. No one cares about Ravens' preseason games. We just are playing a preseason game this week against the Buccaneers. That means nothing. The national media will no longer care about it. It's over. It's fine. <laughs> yeah, I will, I will
1: tune in only because I do this podcast, and I love you listeners, and I'd like to be a little bit prepared and to make sure that nobody gets hurt before the first regular season game on September 10th. All right, let's 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 move on to some other news. Um, one negative, I would say, kind of from these two preseason games, and it's hard to tell because everybody's going, you know, 3 quarter speed, I guess, is what you usually hear. But not a lot of pass rush um, in in these two games. David Ajabo, who's supposed to be kind of the guy. Adafioe hasn't played a lot. Ajabo has played a bit more. Tavius Robinson, the rookie out of Ole Miss, also hasn't really – done too too much uh, um, in terms of and he's gotten a lot of opportunities to do so and here comes a man who Antonio Barbera has been clamoring for clamoring for for years and the fact that Antonio who rarely misses an episode I think this is only the second time that I have actually hosted this and we've done a two man booth the fact that he has missed this episode where Jadavion Clowney (laughs) is officially a Baltimore Ravens player, signing a one-year deal worth $2.5 million with a max value of $6 million. is hilarious, and I'm sure we'll have to get some take from Antonio uh, next week when he rejoins us. But, Jace, let's let's just talk about Clowney here. He comes into a, a linebacker room, a pass rush room, I guess, that includes the likes of Adafi Owe, that includes the likes of, as I mentioned, David Ajabo and, um, and Tavius Robinson. That includes Tyus Bowser whenever he is ready to be on the field again. What do we make of the former number one overall pick, the man who almost killed a, a Michigan player on the field <laughs> all those years ago? What do you make of Jadavion Clowney
0: wearing the purple and black? Uh, it's very funny that it's finally happened. I think that's my number. My my first initial reaction was this is hilarious because I think like we have been talking about this like Clowney to the Ravens on this show and just the Ravens Twitter. In general, has been going on about this for what seems like the entire time, all five years we've done this show. So the fact that he's finally on the team is so funny. I love it. Uh, as per the signing, it's good. It was necessary, I think. We've talked about needing to add, and, and when you don't get a deal done, you know, with Justin Houston, like I, I do think of the guys that were out there. I think Clowney was probably the best. I think you know he, he still he just turned thirty this year. Um, so he's not mid-30s. He's still seemingly in his prime. Um, now, of course, I guess this is where we, we address the things Clowney doesn't do, which is sack the quarterback. Doesn't do that a ton. Has never had a 10-sack season. Uh, it's coming off a two-sack season in 12 games. He also gets hurt a bunch. Let's, let's real quick, before you, before you keep going, we'll <laughs> let you go. That, that
1: first stat that you just read out there has never had a 10-sack Season as a former number one overall pick. Just, I just want to emphasize that for people that you know are getting real excited about 15 sacks incoming. The man has never hit double digits in his NFL career,
0: and I don't think he will. <laughs> but that being said, I still think he's a huge addition. This is was from Jeff Zribic and kind of just uh, puts into to, to I think like stark uh, contrasts sort of the state of the room before he he joins. So he had this sentence. The three-time Pro Bowl selection has 43 career sacks. Clowney, who just turned 30, as I said, Bowser, who, as you mentioned, has not taken the field, which is becoming increasingly, I think, a concern for him being ready for the season. Um, but Bowser, Owe, and Ajabo have combined for 28 and a half sacks in their career. So you're still getting a guy in Clowney who, not you know, not quite nearly double, but close to double the amount of sacks as the Ravens' other three top outside linebackers. So I think he is a necessary addition. I think he will be good for them. I just, yeah, people who think he will have 10 sacks, I think are sorely mistaken. But we should also say, great run defender. Uh, Clowney, uh, you know, he, he's a great run defender. And he, he, he kind of does the Matt Judon thing a bit, where he, he does usually put up decent pressure numbers. It's just the sacks just aren't there. And so I don't expect them to be, but as I said, they had to do something. Um, I think of the guys available, he was seemingly one of the younger ones compared to your Kyle Van Noyes, your Melvin Ingrams, those kind of guys, or, or at least around the same age, but um, I, I still like to gamble. I just, yeah, people, people expecting 10 to 15 sacks. Don't hold your breath.
1: Yeah. I, I'll, I'll say this if you stop thinking about Jadavion Clowney as the man who was an ultimate force in college, who was, I remember, you know, way back in the day, like, you know, I didn't really follow college rankings or anything. I've never been a massive college football guy, but you heard about this number one prospect choosing uh, South Carolina. You heard about this dude who was an absolute freak um, in the best way possible. And then you heard of, and then you saw him, demolish people in college (laughs) you saw him be the number one overall pick to the houston texans and all of this hype surrounding jadevion clowning great name too by the way like how can you not love that take all that out of your mind a supplemental pass rusher who is an elite run defender who can kick inside on third downs and can kick inside on pass rushing situations let me just let me just point it this way a guy who is pretty good at rushing the passer right a guy who is elite or just below elite at stopping the run and setting the edge at his position. And a guy that on third down, you can have a lineup of David Ajabo, Adafe Owe, Justin Matabike, and Jadavion Clowney on the inside with a Patrick Queen coming like a bat out of hell up the middle. That sounds pretty enticing to me. If you take out this hype and this, what you think he is because of the name and because of the highlight reels and because of all everything behind it, I think it's a really good signing for 2.5 million. They were signing a they were signing another pass rusher. This was inevitable. It was going to happen. Like like Jace mentioned, Kyle Van Noy. Does that excite you, <laughs> Melvin Ingram? Right now, does that excite you? Not not really. I think Jadavion Clowney, and maybe for me. Maybe some of it is the name and maybe some of it is the all of the links in the past. Maybe it is the fact that he kind of walked out on Cleveland and and just disparaged Cleveland all the way out the door. God love him for that. He was born to be a Baltimore Raven, just leaving Cleveland in shambles as it deserves to be. Maybe that's all the reasons I'm excited about him. But but from a football standpoint, you know, like you mentioned, the 43 sacks uh, with the 28 and a half combined with the other three, you know, There is a bit of an injury risk. He hasn't played more than 14 games since 2018. Um, But I think what he brings to a room that so desperately needed something like that is beneficial. And what he's going to do, too, is he's going to help a secondary that desperately needs help. And let's transition to this a little bit. (laughs) It was announced last week that Marlon Humphrey um, is going to undergo or underwent surgery, I should say, uh, foot surgery for a, quote, lingering injury that john harbaugh as john harbaugh put it um a couple of things here this all comes again we just use the athletic because they are the best uh harbaugh said the amount of time humphrey's gonna miss is quote to be determined which is super scary uh but doesn't think the cornerbacks absent will be long term you know obviously humphrey played in all 17 games last year uh he made a third pro bowl he had a career high 71 tackles he had three interceptions two fumble recoveries as well And it looks like at the very least, he's going to miss the games against the Houston Texans and the Cincinnati Bengals gulp uh, in week two. So Jace, you know, they, they signed Ronald Darby, which we can kind of throw into this conversation. Another guy coming off an ACL injury who, (laughs) you know, we'll see how good he is. Marlon Humphrey here uh, missing out. What do, you make, what do you make of this injury?
0: It's not good. And uh, probably the guy behind Lamar Jackson that could least afford to lose this season. I'm glad you made this point, because I was going to throw this
1: at you. <laughs> Where does he rank among the guys they couldn't afford to lose? Is yeah. he two?
0: He might be two. I think he might be two. Yeah, because, you know, even Roquan, Patrick Queen's there. And, you know, so we, we, we've we said a lot about Patrick Queen, but he's still a good football player. Yeah. Uh, I mean I think we've seen and it it's Marlin combined with all the other guys are already hurt somehow too. Uh, like we kind of were talking about our Darius Washington, like part of the reason he had to go back in was just like they didn't have anyone for this preseason game because everyone's hurt. And but Marlin Marlin's the most important guy in the secondary. He's coming off one of his best seasons I think and um yeah, I, I mean it's weird how this all emerged like he practices in that uh, one of the joint practices with the commanders. Um Then the, just the next day, it's like, oh, he's having foot surgery. As you said, they they call it a lingering injury, which then I'm like, well, why didn't they try to do this sooner so he'd be back in time for the regular season? I mean, you mentioned that – I guess it's still possible he's back in time for the season opener, but you mentioned that Bengals game. I mean – I'm just having visions of what would have been December 2021 when Burrow was going up and down the field with, you know, targeting the likes of Robert Jackson and whoever was. Come (laughs) on, Seymour, probably. (laughs) Yeah, I'm certain he was there. Uh, When everyone was hurt or had COVID that year, that Bengals game when Burrow threw for over 500 yards. Yeah. It's a problem, um, and it's not good. And you mentioned Ronald Darby; guys bouncing around, coming off a torn ACL. Don't expect much from him. So, it's a problem. And so, yeah, um, like I, I think what, like what you said, uh, kind of bringing Clowney in, I think is necessary because I think we had talked about this team before, but we we've mentioned the twenty fourteen Ravens on the show a bit, um, a team that had a horrendous secondary in the post Ed Reed years um before Marlon arrived in 2017 that's part of the reason they drafted him their secondary was bad <laughs> and uh um but 2014 they have this awful secondary but they had an awesome pass rush with Terrell Suggs and Elvis Elvis Dumerville. obviously I don't think they'll have quite that but bringing in Clowney who uh, as an aside we forgot to mention wearing 24 just just awful just awful that Clowney's wearing twenty-four.
1: I was gonna bring this up later. One of Marlon Humphrey's greatest contributions, and we've and we've sl- and we've slagged it off during this show before, but you know Jadavian Clowney wearing twenty-four, one of the most god awful decisions. It's even worse than Roquan wearing zero. Um, at least Roquan <laughs> gave like an impassioned like restart thing, whatever. I got pumped up. I wanted to run through a wall. I love Roquan Smith. He can do no wrong in my book, but. Twenty-four is so bad, and Marlon Humphrey agrees with everybody, just going "ew" and tagging Jaden Clowney with that. It's going to be awful. So I j- just wear ninety-one. Just wear ninety-one. I, I'm a bad host because I forgot to mention the most important aspect of this signing. Just, just pick a number in the nineties. There's plenty of them, and maybe, maybe, God willing, one of these other guys gets cut that is wearing one of those numbers. <laughs> and he just switches switches it like like a
0: Bridgewater wearing 50 for preseason because he can but has to switch yeah
1: going going from Marcus Peters just think of the body types (laughs) like like think of your dad right think of your dad think of my dad think of dads across Baltimore Baltimore Ravens dads think of them not knowing that Marcus Peters has left and all of a sudden they're like Damn, Marcus Peters got in the gym. <laughs> got huge. Look what happened to him in the offseason. He got huge. Got some dreadlocks. He's looking cool. No, Dad, that, that's Jadavion Clowney. That's 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 a that's a completely different player. But you're right. He shouldn't be wearing 24. It's horrendous. So if, continue.
0: If I was being uncharitable, I'd say Clowney was wearing 24 because he will get between two and four sacks. But <laughs> that, that would be mean, so I won't say that. Uh-huh. But uh, yeah, uh, just to circle back to Humphrey, it's a it's a problem it's a bummer um it's i think as you i think you mentioned tim it's just sort of putting this room is the problem area for this team going into the season and obviously he can slash should come back but they're going to be very reliant on marcus williams and kyle hamilton making plays i think um but uh yeah the, the corner the corner room's in a tough place starting the year and that's you know, no NFL team's perfect, but it is just disappointing and hard when you're you're like, you know, corner is what arguably the second or third third per, second third most like important, fourth most important positions, they're very up there. They are paid uh, a lot. I
1: I think it's top 3 and it's not close, but yeah.
0: Yeah, the 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 good ones get paid a ton and we have a great one, one of the best and he's just not there to start the year. So, um, you know, I, Marlon being there wouldn't, I think, eliminate the secondary's entire problems, but him being not there for the start of the year creates new ones.
1: <laughs> he, it, turns, it, it turns it into, or makes it a disaster when it was just a problem. Um, and not only is Marlon Humphrey, you know, an elite cover corner and a guy that in theory can close down half the field if you really need him to, He's a physical, vocal presence on that defense. He's a physical corner, which I think they really like about him. He's one of their better tacklers, which is, is you know, as Jace mentioned, has been a problem in preseason and is something that, you know, old man yells at cloud, they don't hit anymore in, in training camp, and this leads to that, what have you. You know, he is easily one of their best tacklers. He's a fantastic blitzer. They use him, and he is a turnover machine. Remember when, you know, he was – he didn't end up winning it, but he was close to Defensive Player of the Year. And yeah, the, the not the peanut punch, the fruit punch. The, <laughs> the Twitter used to be fruit punch and not Eth Because apparently, I think that's a Bitcoin thing. Yeah, it's
0: Ethereum, I believe. Okay, sure.
1: Yeah, <laughs> whatever. I have, I have no uh, that's, that.
0: that's the extent of my knowledge of what it
1: is, I think. And that was Bitcoin Talk on pod Lake or Raven. Um, I, so I don't want to, you know, bemoan the lack of options behind him because we've done that to death. But I just think... You can't lose your blue chip guys. You can't lose your queens on the chessboard. And Marlon Humphrey is certainly one of those people. Speaking of another queen on the chessboard, a guy who I think could really show up this season, I wonder what this does for a Kyle Hamilton. I think there is a case. Kyle Hamilton played a lot of slot corner last year. He did not play safety. They had Chuck Clark and Marcus Williams behind him when Marcus Williams was healthy. But even when he wasn't healthy, they would play Geno Stone back there, and they would have Kyle Hamilton kind of be that slot corner guy. I wonder... If to start the year or or and not even, you know, these first couple games, however long Marlon Humphrey is out, you see a little bit more of that. And then you see, you know, Rocky Sin and I mean, Arthur Mallet is more of a slot guy, I, I guess, like a, a Ronald Darby and Rakia Sin, kind of playing your outside corners. Kyle Hamilton in the slot corner position. And then you have a Geno Stone and a Marcus Williams on the back end. That five doesn't sound terrible to me, but you know it, it'll be up to Mike McDonald, one of the better defensive coordinators. Um, encouraging note on Mike McDonald, by the way. I was listening to the the Athletic Football Show again, the AFC North preview, and Robert May said he goes around to every camp, he goes out around all the camps and talks to guys. Mike McDonald is like being labeled as like one of the next dudes because they love the way he schemes defense, which you love to hear. Uh, but yeah, maybe maybe he crafts something up like that, um, and you know just get back for the Bengals game and like be healthy for the Bengals game. Cause I had T Higgins, Jamar chase versus Rocky sin and, uh, and Ronald Darby. I, I, I don't, it's not Kevon Seymour and Robert Jackson, but it, 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 it ain't good. It ain't good. Um, all right. One more thing I want to get to uh, before we kind of do a brief preview of the Ravens bucks game, not a ton to talk about, but an interesting tweet that we saw come across. So Tyler Huntley obviously did not play in the preseason game because of uh, nursing and injury, but Greg Rosenthal, who is an insider with NFL, uh, NFL NFL.com, and he does uh, their their Around the NFL podcast as well. I think he still does it. Haven't listened in years. But a very well-connected man in the National Football League. We will say that. Uh, Just tweeted out this, just out of thin air during the game. Quote, The Ravens have been trying to move off Tyler Huntley all offseason. I think he'll get traded next week. Jace Evans, I will start quickly. I think Tyler Huntley is a good backup. I think with Lamar Jackson, it is imperative to have a good backup. And I also think that Josh Johnson, the journeyman that he is, has shown some things in this Todd Munkin offense. And the comments consistently about the backup quarterback position being open mean something coming from John Harbaugh. I think they mean something. And the fact that Tyler Huntley was not able to play in this game does not help in terms of trade value. But I don't think that Tyler Huntley, and this sounds obvious when it comes out of my mouth, but, you know, people will be like, well, you got to have Lamar insurance, whatever. I don't think that Tyler Huntley is untradeable. And I think he could get traded for way less than Raven's (laughs) Twitter would like. Um, What say you to all this, to a possible, this is just speculation, possible
0: trade speculation for Tyler Huntley? Um, I would not be shocked by it. I, I think for, for many of the reasons you said, I second your opinion. The absolute best they could do for Huntley will be a second round pick. Oh And I, I don't even I'd, see that happening. I'd, I'd bite your hand off
1: for it right now. <laughs> It'll probably yeah, be a,
0: like a fourth or fifth, <laughs> most likely. Um, it is interesting to try to think of like what team needs a guy like Tyler Huntley. Because um, I was thinking back to our recap and I thought we were all more impressed with Huntley than with Josh Johnson. But... Clearly they're not sold on Huntley. That's why they brought Josh Johnson in. They gave, they started Johnson last week when both were, you know, healthy and, you know, so you But it's like, you know, you're starting Johnson with presumably slightly more starters than he would. Um, it, it, it's interesting. I think, yeah, for like a scheme switch, uh, it's something they're at least thinking about. You know, I don't actually have their contracts on hand. I should have looked this up. I'm, pretty sure Johnson probably costs less than Huntley, right? Then they have to do something with Huntley because he was, yes, like, yeah. a weird free agent or something? Um, so, uh, you know, you can save a few bucks there. if I, I get this sense. Because, yeah, in a perfect world, like, I think Tyler Huntley's a good player. Also, in a perfect world, Lamar Jackson just plays 16 to 17 games <laughs> and then it plays in the playoffs, and you don't really need your backup. So... Uh, yeah. Um, as you mentioned, Greg uh, Rosenthal's, uh he, yeah, he's still on and around the NFL. Um, I haven't been listening as consistently, but I, I've listened a lot over the years. Uh, this offseason, anyway. I'll jump back into it with the season approaching. But, uh, um, yeah, he knows people. He knows things. He hears things. <laughs> and that's certainly not coming from nowhere. And, and I think, yeah, to kind of back his point up, I, I think the Ravens just bringing in Josh Johnson at all is sort of, I think, evidence that they're certainly not sold on Huntley. So, um, I wouldn't be surprised if they move him. The hard thing is coming up with, like, well, what team would want him? Because, you know, we we played the Commanders last night, a team that's going in with Sam Howell and Jacoby Brissett. You'd have to find, like, a team, you know, that has, like, a starter that they're worried gets hurt all the time or just uh, so needs some sort of insurance for something uh, in case something goes wrong. Um, so I don't know where he would be moved, but I wouldn't be surprised if they if they find a taker, if they... They shoot him off because, yeah, it, it seems like they haven't been 100% sold on him this offseason. I mean, remember, they
1: they were interested in Baker Mayfield. Yeah. They were interested in Jacoby Bursett. And this was before Lamar, obviously. But I think the change in style, you know, Todd Munkin could look be sitting there and looking and saying, this ain't what I want. And we love Tyler Huntley. I think he did a serviceable job. But I don't think it's an absolute lock that Tyler Huntley is a guy that's going to be around, um, you know, right player, right price type of thing with him. And, and maybe Josh Johnson, I thought, you know, I agree with you. I think Josh, Josh Johnson was the less impressive um, in the in the first game, uh, the first preseason game against the Eagles. But he was Pretty impressive on Monday night against the Commanders for me. Was no Sam Howell and no uh, Terry McLaurin and no Jahan Dotson going up against backups. But, you know, it is what it is. All right. Let's let's wrap very quickly. The Ravens' final preseason game. Final preseason game, as Jace said, you're going to get back into your football podcast. Hopefully, you've been listening to us over the summer. You're going to start watching NFL Total Access again. You're going to have, if you're lucky like me, your three televisions all (laughs) on football, football, football all of the time. Because the final preseason game is here. The season for the Ravens kicks off September 10th against the Houston Texans. But before that, this Saturday, August 26th, in Tampa Bay, Raymond James Stadium, against the Buccaneers, who are baking. It's bake time <laughs> it's up time down bake. in Tampa Bay. <laughs> it is time to bake. Baker Mayfield has been named the starter for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Rest in peace, everybody that owns uh, Chris Godwin and Mike Evans in fantasy. <laughs> I, I'm in a league with Jace, and I know people that are in our league we're going to draft next week. I'm not drafting any Buccaneers. So if you're around me and you're waiting on a Buccaneer, don't worry, I'm not taking them. I, it's not going to happen with Baker Mayfield starting. I'm just free draft advice for you there. Jace, let's be quick here. I don't think there's any too much to say when it comes to the final preseason game. Anything you're looking for, any guys who need to make a final impression, we should say that August 29th, I believe, is the day at 4 p.m. Eastern when rosters have to be finalized. You have to have your final uh, your final 53-man roster. Who needs to step up? Who who has that last chance, last dance to make this regular season roster? What are you looking for in this final preseason game?
0: Yeah, I mean, I think you mentioned it. Uh, I think it, the Josh Johnson, the backup QB thing, if Tyler Huntley's ready to play, no certain thing. If he is, I think that would be telling. And if he plays... Um, so there, I think, like you mentioned, we mentioned earlier in the show, the Keaton Mitchell, Melvin Gordon sort of thing, uh, Tylen Wallace, end of the, the receiving room kind of thing. I didn't really notice anything in particular when it comes to the left guard competition. That's just sort of, you know, I I'll have to... Have to go to our our, our Cole Jackson's. Uh, so on... I, it's funny. I was just looking at that. I turned to Cole
1: Jackson. He said he had only seen the hadn't watched the film yet. Cole loves grinding the film. He's a really really good follow on 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 Twitter because uh, we don't call it X here. Um, <laughs> if, if you are a Ravens fan, huge offensive line nut too, which I love. He said John Simpson just look watching the broadcast really impressed him. So we'll leave we'll leave it at that. He's the expert. I'll leave it to him for that. Yeah. And
0: they've given him the start. So, I, you know, I, I, I have no real opinions on how anyone plays on the offensive line, except when it's very obvious when a lineman holds someone or <laughs> just gets beat clean, uh, misses a block, that sort of thing. Um, and I, I haven't noticed anything particular. I assume Simpson will win that job, but that's one to just sort of sort of keep an eye on and then yeah uh it's going to be i think refreshing to just go into this game and it's just a preseason game uh the ravens are, are the, the streak is over there's no talking points it's just uh everyone get out healthy um might even i, I don't even know who all will see if they'll pare it down even more i I doubt after the JK Dobbin's thing in the well, that was wasn't that the final preseason game 2 years ago or whatever um, I believe so. Yeah. I I feel like since after that Harbaugh has been hesitant to play starters, so I don't think we'll see anyone um, of particular note. But yeah, those are those are just a few things I I have my eye on, and we might not even it might not even be time for to bake for us because they might hold Baker out like they did last game. So yeah, that's a little yep. disappointing to not pick him off at least once.
1: <laughs> I was gonna say I don't think we're gonna be baking anytime soon. Um, <laughs> Yeah, for me, I, I, it'll be interesting to see if we get any more out of these tight ends. You know, Vokalek after the impressive performance um, in this last game and maybe a little bit more Charlie Kohler. Remember Charlie Kohler and Isaiah Likely? Charlie Kohler was drafted in the same draft as Isaiah Likely. I don't remember. He might have He might have been, been before they, him, I think. They, <laughs> were, <laughs> they were They were. both in the fourth round. Of course, two fourth-round tight ends. Shout out Dennis Pitta and Ed Dixon uh, years ago for the Ravens. Charlie Kohler kind of known as, you know, Isaiah Likely the athlete, but Charlie Kohler, you're Ken Block a little bit, has very sure hands. Let's see if we can get a little bit more of him. You add, uh, by the way, Vocalect maybe not, but you add a third tight end to the proceedings with all these receiving options. You need more options. And everybody, oh, who, only one ball, only one ball. So many injuries. You need as many options as possible. So I think it'll be interesting, the tight end battle there. Um, and then the other, the only other one, I think, Trenton Simpson got a little bit of time against the commanders and kind of looked lost um you know i don't think trenton simpson is an immediate starter this year uh i do not expect that from him but a guy that most likely you know if everything shakes out his way is going to be starting in the middle of this defense next to groquan smith next season i want to see a little bit of improvement from him uh you know even just menial um and we will see there so jace anything else before we wrap this up, hopefully you stayed for the whole thing. If Antonio wasn't here, I understand. You may, might have turned it off because you missed his dulcet tones. We did too. He will be back next week. Don't worry. But any anything else before we wrap here on a Raven?
0: Uh, just looked it up just uh, to ease my mind. Charlie Kohler drafted 128th. Isaiah likely drafted 139th of one of go. their uh, 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6 fourth round picks last year. <laughs> It's six
1: fourth round picks last year.
0: Yeah. Philele, Armour Davis, Kohler, Stout, Jordan Stout, Isaiah Likely and Demarion Williams. Pepe. Oh my God. <laughs> and that's right. And then
1: they didn't really have any picks. Like they had a couple picks after that, I think, but they had all those comp picks and stuff too. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Uh, all right. Well, on, on that, on that grim note. Uh, yeah. So Antonio should be back with us next week. We will do, we'll do a brief recap of the Bucks game. And then, I believe if I'm looking at the schedule here, let me let me just pull this up and do some live producing as we go. Are we going to say is it over unders week? That'll be the 28th. The fourth will be our first preview, so it might be over unders week. We'll have to talk to Antonio either next week or the week after over unders week. Now that gambling is legal here in the great state of Maryland, um, I already have too many. There are too <laughs> many futures on my phone right now. Just and they're all going to be in here, and we're going to talk about them. And guess what? During the episode, both Jason and Antonio are going to convince me to put $10 here and there on some other teams, <laughs> I am sure. But for Antonio Bar- uh, Barbera, who unfortunately couldn't be with us, for j Sevens, I am Tim Horsey, signing off Pod Like a Raven. We will see you next week.